Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. We're going to start a new series this morning called The Paths of Life. I like subtitles. Wisdom for Walking. A lot of times when you see the word walking in the scripture, it has to do with lifestyle, the pattern of life. I know when it comes to grace, whenever you hear grace, we hear about grace, we know that Christ and God gave us freely. We didn't earn it. But then out of that grace, there's a work of faith. And it's not a matter of earning the grace in that sense. It's a matter of cooperating with, uh, even as Mike was sharing about seed. It's the same thing. We're just cooperating in the process of what God has already established. You know, uh, sometimes people, uh, you know, they think about, you know, food shortages or different things like that. But how many have uh, a piece of fruit in your house right now? Right now you have a piece of fruit. Okay, so a ton of people. How many think there's a seed in there? Well, we're having a shortage of oranges. No, no. It's the problem is people are throwing the seed away. You actually could grow your own orange if you go to the store and buy an orange. You could grow your own orange tree. Sometimes people think, huh. (laughs) And you say, well, that must have been a revelation from God. Not really. It was just a reel on Instagram. (laughs) This guy took the seed, ate the orange, or took an orange, ate ate the orange, and showed the seed, and then showed how you could grow it. You actually have everything right under your nose because the Lord put it in the earth. Amen? You have enough. Don't don't let the spirit of Antichrist lie to you. There's more than enough money in the planet. There's more than enough uh, uh, resurrection power. There's more than enough provision in the planet. Now, there are men and women that want to, that yield to the spirit, the, what I call the Luciferian leaders, Luciferian leadership that want to yield to the spirit of Antichrist and supposedly, you know, save the planet, which they are correct. The planet needs saving. The problem is they think they're it. They're not. There's one savior. His name is Jesus. Amen? So just keep that in mind. Keep, you know, have that thought in your mind. Uh, whenever you feel like, oh, there's not enough, or, you, or maybe, maybe the giving messages challenge you, like, well, why do, do you have to teach on giving? Well, do you want to be ignorant of what the Bible says about it? Well, I better ask that one again. <laughs> do you want to be ignorant of what the Bible says to you, what God himself says to you concerning an area of your life. Because ignorance is not bliss, it's death. It's death. My people perish for a lack of, 
And if you actually look up the context of that, it isn't so you can blame the preachers for not preaching on something they should have. The context of that verse is actually, if you go back and read it, the people refused knowledge. If you go back and study it, you'll see it. I don't want to be ignorant of anything. If God's word shows up my ignorance and I get embarrassed, that's an opportunity for me to humble myself. It's not an opportunity for me to stone the preacher. Whoever the preacher is, if it's not in a pulpit setting, but if it's just in talking to someone that you know that's a believer as well, and they say something and you go, oh, I didn't know that. That's your opportunity to humble yourself and receive that word. Amen? If it's from the scriptures, amen? So we're going to start a new series this morning, The Paths of Life, Wisdom for Walking, and we're going to, I'm going to go through Proverbs 3. I'm not going to do it verse by verse. I'm just going to pick six things out of there that I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to. And this morning, the first message uh, that I want to deal with, the first subject is the importance of knowing and keeping God's word. The importance of, so the series is titled The Paths of Life, and the first message is the importance of knowing and keeping God's word. Now, when we teach on something that you, anybody feels like they know pretty well, you need to be careful because we all can learn, amen? You know, sometimes I think, Lord, I don't think that people need to hear that. I think they need to hear this. And the Lord said, I'm dealing with you about something for you, but you need to preach what they need to hear, not what you think they need to hear. Well, it's not the popular message, Lord. If I really want to follow, you know, TBN and the preachers on TV, I would be preaching along these lines. I'm not saying they're missing it or Daystar or whatever. Pick your, pick, pick whatever, Victory Channel, whatever, whatever TV channel preacher that you listen to. That's not the primary purpose of a minister. The minister's primary purpose is not to follow the latest trend. Because there are latest trends in the Christianity that actually... God has nothing to do with. And people say, how do you know that? Because I've read the book of Jeremiah. And in the book of Jeremiah, you actually had prophets prophesying against each other. And one came out right in the end, and they were all saying, thus saith the Lord. So one of the things that we consistently go back to here, and it's interesting because, you know, I've been pushing the messages concerning the new believers classes, and I went back and listened to myself. It's the benefit of having eight years of saved messages. You say, what is it like? It's annoying. But sometimes I've, I kind of get out of my own head about it. You know, you're listening to, have you ever heard your, you listen to your own voice? Have you ever listened to your own voicemail and go, oh my, that's what I sound like? <laughs> I've done that. So anyway, <laughs> I go back and listen and I go, and when I get out, I'm like, oh. And you know what I found out in some of those messages? We're saying the same things we were then. People say, well, does that mean we haven't grown? No, it means that there are certain principles that always just need to be gone over and over and over again. We just went through a season, I actually was sharing this with, I've shared it with the staff, but Mike, and I was sharing it with Heidi too a while back. You know, when we, when COVID, the whole thing first happened and we got through the end of it, I looked back over it and I went, well, I like that. I don't like that we did that. 
I like what I preached there. I don't like how I preached that. I don't like how I handled that. Do you do this? Okay, you should if you don't. People say, do you get under condemnation? No, I get under conviction. And I realize that I'm in the process of growing that every believer is, and that as we are growing and as we're developing, there are things that we are going to recognize. Yeah, you know what? I probably should put my shoes on the right feet from now on. <laughs> you know, natural growth and spiritual growth are the same. I mean, what I mean by that is they're similar. You know, as I've gotten older, I do less things than I did when I was two. Less. Yeah. I mean, you say, have you, do, my fits now are more sophisticated than they used to be. <laughs> Actually, they're more, you know, more covered. <laughs> no, what I mean by that is that simply this, we have more control the older we get over ourselves, the more we mature, we realize, oh, this motivation is not good. This motivation is right. This is flesh. This is the spirit of God. But there are some principles in the word of God that if we ever abandon them, we'll actually end up in a place of deception. One of those principles is the importance of knowing and keeping God's word. Do you know that there is revelation, depths of revelation in John 3, 16 that you and I do not know yet, even though for my, in my case, uh, 26 years ago, I yielded to that verse and it, it had a supernatural miraculous impact in my life. But there, are, there is understanding concerning that verse that I still don't have yet. Because we live in a world where some people have thought, well, we've reached the pinnacle in the church. But where Paul said, we look through a glass darkly. Where the scripture says that we are constantly under the influence or the flow of darkness that is in the earth. Even though that flow does not live within us. How many know that as long as we're on the earth and in the earth. As long as we're in this vessel. We are going to have to renew our thinking and crucify our flesh. We're going to have to control as the scripture says the body of sin. I'm not just de declaring to you a dual nature that some people do like Jesus and the devil are living inside of you at the same time. I'm not declaring that at all, but I am declaring to you that your flesh has fallen. How many have noticed? And since that is the case, just as Paul even declared, who received so much of the revelation of grace, he declared what? He declared that he had to control himself. The scripture says he buffet, buffeted his body. Some Christians read that and thought buffeted his body, but that's not what that word means. He had to buffet his body, which means he didn't just indulge the flesh. He said, you've got to stop the indulgences of the flesh. 
in order to function within the spirit correctly or from a resur- the resurrection of Christ within us, our born again spirit nature, in order to do that, we have to have a mind that is renewed and then an understanding of the nature of our flesh. And then from the resurrection of grace within us, we, we what? We, we don't participate in the flesh. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ and we make what? No provision for that nature. We don't engage our thought into the flow of Antichrist in the earth and then participate with words in that and then participate with actions of this in that flow of Antichrist. We actually say, no, 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 body. You now are a slave to righteousness. I'm going to contain you by the power of the Holy Spirit within me. Come on, Romans chapter 8, verse number 13. By the power of the resurrection within me, I have the ability to put to death the deeds of the body. That's Romans 8, 13. We have that ability within us. So part of that accomplishment taking place or that maturity taking place in our lives is knowing something and keeping something. And that is the word of God. Proverbs chapter three, verse number one. And this is, uh, it says this, my son, and that just means child. Do not forget my law. But let your heart, what? Keep my commands. Now, because of our understanding of the New Testament and grace, people hear law and commands and they get nervous. Because they think, oh no, we're not under the law. Law simply means teachings. Law simply means teachings. How many know that thou shalt not lie is still a good idea? (laughs) How many know that it's still a good idea not to covet what your neighbor has? But how many have also noticed that the nature of the flesh, even though you're born again, is to covet what your neighbor has? People say, well, if I, if I obey that, then I'm under the law. No, you're, you're actually under grace. So we're to do what? We're, we're told here that we're to do what? The first thing that we're supposed to do is what? Do not forget. Now, this is one of the greatest weaknesses in humanity. You say, how do you know? Watch the news. We have people that will stand up in public forums, public places, and they've said this, I don't know how many times, that the earth won't be around in 12 years. And they said that more than 12 years ago. Or they'll stand up and declare things from their earthly, heaven, or earthly knowledge, their natural knowledge, and it proves out over time that it's not true, but yet they'll declare it again without even a thought that people will remember what was said 20 years ago. 
Why? Because people do what? As humans, we easily forget. And actually, it's not just the capacity. The problem is not just the capacity to, the, to remember. The problem is the next part of the verse. We don't keep what has been given to us. We get distracted. We get focused on earthly things instead of heavenly things. So my son, do not forget. In this passage, we have a couple of instructions that are given to us concerning the teachings in Scripture. The first is do not forget. The word forget means to mislay. I mislaid a couple of books. Two weeks ago? And I'm praying, God, where are the books? I need them. I employed the staff to look. I employed my in-laws to look. I employed everybody. God, bring, I want those books back. My wife says, you probably set them on top of the car and drove off. I'm like, so I had to fight that vision off for days. Oh, man, Lord, I need those books. So me and Ian were here and mowing yesterday, and he calls me. Dad, is the name of the books this and this? Yeah. Where are they? They're down by the lawnmower. <laughs> I went downstairs in the church to the storage area, set them down to do something, and walked off. What did I do? I miss. Have you ever mislaid a commandment from the Lord? And you go, how did, where did I, how did I get where I'm? Have you ever mislaid a scripture concerning your marriage? Have you ever mislaid a scripture concerning your boss at work? You say, what do you mean concerning my boss? Have you ever mislaid your responsibility in a scripture and found another one to condemn the one that you're mad at? Because you mislaid the scripture about controlling your flesh. Have you ever mislaid a scripture about praying for the president? Or are you too busy posting memes? <laughs> but yeah, you want God to hear your prayer. People say, well, then God, so what is he doing? Is he in heaven going, I'm not going to listen to them. I don't like the way they're acting. <laughs> no. His nature doesn't change. We cut off the flow. It's not his problem. You know, it's like people say, well, if you don't forgive, then God won't forgive you. God's already forgiven you. Well, then what did Jesus mean by that? He meant that you cut off your own forgiveness by not forgiving. He didn't mean that, Jesus, or that the Father's in heaven like a two-year-old pouting because you won't forgive. People have these weird images of God. They think God's in heaven going, I just can't stand it anymore. I'm going to zap them all. I'm going to fry them all. If that was the case, we'd all be fried. I'd have been fried years ago. Some of you would have lived longer. I'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not that kind of fry. <laughs> it means to mislay. It means to be oblivious of. 
So that to me sounds a little bit like not just forgetting, but actually not taking the time to know. You know, we come to the altar for Christ because our lives are in such disarray that we need help. And then I watch so many people actually go back to what they're familiar in when they hated it. I've said this before, when I youth pastored for six years, I had students in the youth group that their parents were just sorry. You know what I mean by sorry? I mean just super sorry, they just were not good parents. They didn't love their kids like they were supposed to. Sometimes it was their fault. A lot of times, it, they just don't know. Or they never repented in their life. The parents didn't. And I would, we would get calls. I'd get a call at 2 or 3 in the morning uh, from one particular student, and she's running down the road in the middle of the night, crying, going, my parents just did this, and my dad is crazy, and he's chasing me, and she's fearing for her life. She's fearing for her life. She's in this position, and she wants prayer, and she wants help, and she wants freedom, and we would pray, and we would help and do everything that we could. I'm talking about students who call the youth pastor mom and dad because they don't, they have a mom and dad, but they're not a mom and dad. And they're running, they're, 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 they're trying to escape, but I would what, yet I would watch these same students after freedom came, create chaos where they were. Do you know why? Familiar spirits. You, there is an uncomfortable place that your natural will be in when you're walking in a place of deliverance where you just have to settle your flesh down and go, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back. Come on. On a Friday night when you have nothing to do and the memory of who, where you used to be and the comfort, the level of comfort that was there because of how you used to live comes to knock on your door and say, hey, we're having a good time over here. You just have to say, sorry, I can't go out tonight. I've got to stay with Jesus because he promised me that if I would plant myself by the rivers of living water that I would be fruitful in my life. You know, this is the deception of the enemy. We so easily forget what did the children of Israel do. They cried in the middle of Egypt, and then they cried in the middle of the desert. The Lord sends them their deliverance and their deliverer, and in the middle of it, they want to kill their deliverer and, and go back to their captivity. Why? Because of familiarity, but also because you've mislaid a truth. You're not keeping a commandment that's been giving to, given to you. You're meditating and thinking about something from the past that, it is, that feels like it could be comforting, but if you, in all reality, if you partake of it, it is death. People say, yeah, but I, you know, I didn't grow up in that kind of home. I didn't grow up, I had a pretty good life. Yeah, but you have, these, you have these patterns in your own life that may not be related to drugs or alcohol or anything like that, but constant bitterness and griping, complaining about things, rebellion against authority. Come on, rebellion against things. Why? Not because necessarily that you just developed this thing, but you might have been raised in it. And it becomes a pattern in your life. And if we don't go back to this word and allow the mirror to be in front of us and us to look at the mirror and, and, and fix our face, 
fix. Come on, how many ladies appreciate a good, I watch ladies when you go out to eat, they have these little circular or square things they pull out and they open it up and I'm like, what is, and there's mirrors in there, why? And I'll watch my wife at times go. <laughs> in fact, she'll look at me because she knows I'm not gonna do it. And if we're eating salad or something, she'll go like this and I'll go. And my thought is, I want to leave it there to see what you do. <laughs> because I don't care if I look stupid in that situation. I think it's hilarious that you have to look at me and you don't have the guts to say. You go, but you're looking at me trying not to look at me. You know, like, but I engage you in conversation and just keep it going. Because I know it's there. I know, that's a plotted out mind right there. You, you, it takes time to develop that kind of skill. We're to look into the commandment and not forget the commandment. In order for me to keep the commandment, I'm gonna have to do what? I'm gonna have to open up and allow the mirror, allow myself to look into the mirror and go, uh-oh. I got this out of place. It's vital, right? Why is it vital? Because our spiritual development is our victory. Come on, our maturity is the manifestation of our victory. People say, oh, I'm gonna stand up and declare this and declare that. I'm a faith person, I'm a mountain mover. But if you're not a love walker, it will profit you nothing. It'll be in vain. You may even see results in someone else's life but you'll never manifest it to the full degree in your own. You know, I can actually function in a gifting from a place of immaturity and help somebody else and still live in the same darkness that I always have. Yeah. Spiritual maturity is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. I'll give everybody a chance again. Spiritual maturity is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> Why? Because the gifts of the Spirit function at their highest level from a place of spiritual maturity. To forget means to ignore and to cease to care. I don't want to forget his words. I don't want to forget his thoughts. The second part of the verse says, keep your heart, uh, uh, let your heart keep my commandments. To keep means to guard, to protect or maintain. I got to maintain these commandments in me. Now it isn't, has to, it, I don't have to maintain my, I don't know, Jesus saved me holy. I need to maintain my head because my head tends to wander. There's a part of me that the scripture says must be transformed. It must be renewed. And it only comes through the word of God. And that's where we keep this commandment. This, this word keep means to be a blockade or to be blockaded. In other words, have you ever thought in old time terms, we're going to enter the keep? What is the keep? 
The keep is where you go if your enemy is coming against you and it's a fortified thing that keeps you. So if we keep his commandments, we create a stronghold of truth. Now, a lot of times when we think of stronghold, we think of bad things because of the scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 talks about pulling down strongholds. But you could also build up a stronghold from the living stones. In other words, you could keep the commandment. You could create a fortress in your life of truth where the enemy comes knocking and you go, mm -mm, we're safe in here. We're in behind the protection of the one who created us. We're in the secret place. We're keeping the commandment. Keeping your heart or let your heart keep my commands. This sounds familiar. What did Adam and Eve not do in the garden? They didn't keep it. The statement tells me that it is not automatic when I become a Christian. Keeping, guarding, and maintaining imply duty, discipline on my part. The image of security detail around someone important comes to mind. Anybody, you know, it's, this is what's funny to me. You know, w people don't need guns. But the people that say we don't need guns have people around them with And there are whole groups of sheeple that go, yeah, you're right because you're famous. You're right because you have money. You're right because you have position. I'm not into disrespecting or dishonoring position. That's not what I'm implying. But we do deal and speak truth in the face of lies in all areas. This sounds like something Jesus taught us in the gospels called the parable of the sower. In other words, the seed is trying to be stolen. So where is their example of, of a group of people in the New Testament? Go to Acts chapter 17, where the people, they, uh, they did Proverbs chapter three, verse one. They didn't forget the law and they kept the commands. Let's look at a principal truth here. And this is a group called the Bereans. We'll finish up with this thought. Acts chapter 17, verse number 10. It says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word of God with all readiness and Search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, the prominent women, as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalon Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, Paul was a missionary, but sometimes he was motivated by persecution. They came there also and stirred up the crowds. What did they do? Wonder if that happens today. 
wonder if there are groups of people that run around lying to people and stir up crowds. Hello. Nothing has changed. The devil is the same yesterday, today, forever. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So what do we see about these Bereans? They were more fair-minded. What, what does that mean? They were fair-minded, which means noble. They took the time to look into what was being taught from the scripture. This is somebody who's going to, what, remember, because they have purposed, in their, in the, they have purposed their attention on God's teachings. In other words, what are they doing? They're letting, Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 1, my son, do not forget my law. They're not going to forget it. They're receiving the teaching. They're not mislaying it. They're not just setting it aside. They're not taking their scripture card out in the morning, reading it, and not even remembering what it says. You know, they, they, you pull out your scripture card in the morning, you read the thing, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. You go outside, look at your neighbor's yard, look at yours, curse your neighbor, get in your car, and go to work. That is not loving your neighbor as yourself. What is that not doing? That's not, that's forgetting, that's mislaying, that's not keeping the commandment. No way am I implying that God will no longer love you. Man, we gotta grow past this. In this church, we're growing past this. God's discipline is no sign that he doesn't love you. It's a sign that he does. We have a generation of people, and I believe it's changing, that don't want truth. They just want to be patty caked. If you're not just positive to me all the time about everything that I do... They'll make statements like this. You have to love me just the way I am. I will present this truth to you. We love you in spite of who you are. <laughs> well, I, I'm just not going to go to a church where they require change. You in trouble. You ain't going far. It's amazing to me how we'll take principles and apply them to natural things and ignore spiritual realities. The enemy is so good at deception, we must stay in the light of his word. So what do we see? They're more found, they were more fair-minded. They had readiness of mind, which means zeal, spirit, eagerness, and inclination. Simply put, this is every preacher's dream audience. <laughs> this is them right there where they're hearing the word, taking it in, but not just automatically preparing a plot in their life for what they hear, but rather looking back to the scriptures to see if they fit within the gospel. Come on, thinking Christians. Come on, Pentecostals, hear me. Thinking Christians, not ones that go, I heard this prophecy from this person and this prophecy from this person and I've heard this prophecy from this person and I put them all together and this is what it says. No, you're supposed to take the prophetic words back to the prophetic word, judge that thing and see if it's right. 
If your life is being led by prophecies, you will end up a shipwreck. And people say, but the scripture says that you're to honor the prophet so that you can be blessed and so that thing. Listen, in the New Testament, the scripture says to judge the prophecy. You have to take the Old Testament principle and run it through the filter of the new. You cannot just take the Old Testament principle by itself. If you do, your Bible interpretation is off and you will miss God. I'm not saying you're gonna go to hell, but the Lord is trying to help us live at our best here. Why? There's a couple of reasons. One, it benefits you so well. The other is it's a benefit to his kingdom because maturity is attractive to those who are outside. Being salty and bright is attractive to the rest of the world. And people say, well, are you against prophecies? No. I am to not despise them, but I am to prove them and to what? Hold fast to what is good. See, a lot of people that study prophecy can't even quote that scripture. Then you don't know as much about it as you think you do. We're to hold fast to what is good. If the predominance of my life is following ministry gifts, the predominance of my fellowship with the Father is following different ministry gifts, including prophets, and not going back to the word and just fellowshipping with the Lord, then I'm off. Because the primary leading of the New Testament believer is not the office of the prophet. It is the Holy Spirit within and his written word. If somebody tells you, you have to listen to me, I'm the prophet of God for your life, run for your life. It's not a matter of disrespecting the offices. I cannot disrespect the office if my heart is right and my mind is in line with what he said concerning them. From the written word. People say, well, why would the Lord have somebody say that? Why would you go down that path? Hey, because there's people that are not keeping what they should keep. And if you leave the path of this word, you get into a place called darkness. And believers say, well, I can't be in a place of darkness. I have light in me. Yes, you can. You have light in you, but it has to, your mind still can get into a place of darkness. John said it this way, if you hate your brother and say you love God, you're walking in. Is that person saved? Yes, but they're walking in what? Darkness. We have to go back to this word. We have to study this word. What is the result of having readiness of mind and zeal? People have readiness of mind. They have a willingness to consider what is being taught. This is a must for remembering and retaining truth. The results of hearing like this is that many believed. Hearing and retaining the word of God always is accompanied with believing or faith. This is so important because scripture says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It isn't enough for believers to carry the Bible in their hands. They must let the Holy Spirit write it on their hearts. Obedience to the word can add, and we'll get into this next week, can add years to your life and life to your years. 
Obedience to the word can add what? Years to your life and to your years. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus this morning. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that eternity is in men's hearts. The Bible says that God uh, doesn't want anybody to perish. John 3, verse 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that all people have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that heaven is a free gift in Romans 6.23. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that God wants us, wanted us to be brought back into relationship with him. Romans 5 verse 8 and 9 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We receive God's forgiveness through faith by trusting in Christ. John chapter 1 verse number 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with mouth, the mouth is confession is made unto salvation. So maybe you're in this place today and you've never received Jesus. Maybe you're in this place and you've backslidden away from Jesus and you need to make a recommitment to him. Now I will say this, if in the last several weeks you've given your heart to the Lord, you don't need to do it again. You say, well, I've messed up. Then you just need to 1 John 1, 9. You need to go to him, confess that sin, ask him to forgive you, and he'll forgive you. You haven't lost your salvation in that time. You didn't reject Christ. But if you've never received Christ, or if you've walked away from him and you just totally abandoned him, then you need to give your heart back to him. You need to say, Lord, if you've, if you've walked away from him, you need to say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord, not just my Savior. And make him that, that your Lord of your life. You, you, you may be legitimately saved, but you need to make that full commitment there. But if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're not even in the family. And he wants you to be in the family. So if you're in here today and on either of those and you'd like me to pray with you, I'd like you to just raise your hand where you're at. Online, if you're, yes, thank you. Online, if you're watching online, if there's anybody there, you can put in the comments underneath, they're watching that, and they'll respond to that. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. Well, let's do this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth, who lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead so that I could receive forgiveness, become your child, and receive the gift of eternal life. I come to you now and repent of all my sin. I not only receive your gift of forgiveness, but I give you my whole life and all my heart. I believe you have accepted me because Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You also said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Thank you for saving me, making me your child, and helping me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you leave, if, if anybody else needs prayer for anything, our altar workers are here, and they can pray with you concerning anything you might need prayer for. If you did pray that prayer for the first time, or if you just wanted, you did, you rededicated your life, they're available as well to minister to you. Don't forget, if you don't have the new believers pack, maybe you gave your heart to the Lord a while back and you never came up and picked up one of our new believers packs. Please do. Please do. Get it, get the material, and follow what we have on the card for you to develop like you should spiritually. It'll be a great blessing to you. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.